Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble. In fact, each story into the game is golden. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, my name is Monkey. And I'm Heath. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. And we're coming to you every day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. And here's what we've got for you today. We spoke to rapper Miss Banks when she stopped by the clubhouse for an exclusive performance. And as part of our Unsung Icon series, we're looking at some of the people who are working hard behind the scenes of women's football. Today, we speak to film producer and eldest daughter of the football legend, Pelé. Kelly Nascimento de Luca. But first, here are the five things you need to know going into your day. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Number one, Italy versus China. Italy won 2-0 over China and Italy manager Melina Bertolina said her players are on a mission to help the country discover and appreciate the women's game after they beat China to reach the quarterfinals. That's incredible. What's also incredible is Melina Bertolina as a name. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, a sick name. That's well deserving of a deep run into the tournament. They're good. Yeah, they're really good. We they're, said dark horse. Yeah, they're just very organized. Who have they Chi- got, who China's have they got the not easy. Have we, had, have we filled out our little make makeshift board the Netherlands which moves us over to point two yeah number two Netherlands versus Japan Netherlands go through 2-1 on a late penalty kind of at the death 89th minute uh, penalty given on a handball really disappointing to see Japan go out really gets the run of play as well they were very good today this is the first time I've seen Japan play really well in this tournament and they are unfortunately going home yeah I think the quality of football today was probably the best we've seen in the whole tournament the passes the pace the aggression from both teams I'm really gutted Japan are out to be honest I'd rather have them through than the Netherlands just because how they played but yep they got they got a uh, penalty awarded to them and to be fair I think it was a Miedema uh, shot it was on target so if it wouldn't have hit her hand it may have gone in so yeah Miedema's money she's so good she's on the ball she's she's 
like a huge presence on the field. Yeah, she. I mean, she didn't really. She didn't really turn up too much today, though. No, but there's something about her, right? I've stood next to her a few times, and she didn't seem that big. But like when you see her on TV, she is like a. Ma- you know where she's at on the pitch all the time. She is like a massive presence, even when she's not, like just physical stature. Even when she's not standing next to Japanese players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're on the shorter side, but like <laughs> she is very very tall. But yeah, Japan go home. Very very sad. Uh, number three. Great news if you're going to Glastonbury. Glastonbury are now showing the Women's World Cup. They said they will be showing on the big screens on the West Holt stage, 8pm kickoff, that's UK time, after Georgia Stanway uh, pleaded on Twitter for them to show it because her brother's going. You know what the problem with that is? What's that? One, it's uh, it's incredible. But the problem with that is, is that now every time like the country has a problem, they're going to look to Georgia Stanway to solve it. Just going like, <laughs> chuck a tweet out. Let's avoid Brexit. At Georgia Stanway. <laughs> yeah, at Georgia Stanway. <laughs> Fix this problem. <laughs> it's all up to you now. Yeah, no pressure. But no like pressure. you got, you know, matches on the on the TVs at Glastonbury. So what can you not do? Exactly. Number four, Neymar reaches an agreement with Barcelona. According to the reports out of Spain, uh, he's going to have to take a 21.4 million pound pay cut from his current PSG wage. He's also apparently got, or allegedly has a lawsuit that's open, which he will throw away. It's a lawsuit with Barcelona, which he will waive or throw away or or whatever, cancel uh, if he goes back to Barcelona. <laughs> I'll uh, forget about it. Don't yeah. worry about that, guys. Listen, that 20 plus million, we're just going to let that go. That's roughly uh, a 24 $24 million uh, pay cut for him for the US audience that's a lot that's a lot of money yeah but he's fine (laughs) he's still eating good so he's fine (laughs) he good number five Real Madrid to have a women's team Finally, uh, they'll officially have a women's team after agreeing to buy recently promoted CD Tacon. Hope I said that right. A decision that was ratified by the club's board of directors on Tuesday afternoon. But Real Madrid's name will not be in La Liga, uh, the women's version, next season. Instead, they will start their women's team from July 1st, 2020. But will they? They'll be in the top league from 2020? Yeah, but I think just still under. Is it 1920? No, from next season or the season after that. It wasn't quite, it wasn't very well written. I mean, that goes to support Ellie's research that uh, Fiorentino Perez didn't want to start a team from the lower divisions and have to work his way all the way up. Now he's buying a team to start from the top. Yeah. So he's basically done what he said he was going to do. For better or for worse, uh, it's good for women's football. Yeah. Very, very sick. Okay. So that is it. Those are the five things that you needed to know going into your day. Copper 90. What is up? What up, bro? What up, bro? It's very... Um, Spicy. Hace uh, mucho calor, as the people who speak Spanish would say. What does that mean? Hot? Very hot. Hot, hot. Yeah. Are you surviving? I'm surviving. I just um, I just did a quick up, a quick a touch base with my uh, AccuWeather free plug to them uh, because they've actually done a good job of warning me when rain is coming since I've been here early is it, on. Is it coming? No, but I started... Get, I got in the habit because rain was here and it was very cool. Um, but it gives you like a two-hour forecast of like windows of time that you can go where you need to go before the rain hits you. It's really, really accurate. That's why they call it AccuWeather. Uh, but the real feel outside right now, 34 degrees. I Really? I thought I felt it was hotter than that. Maybe it's the fumes. The, the car fumes that are making me... Yeah, I think Paris is known for, for having High pretty pollution. poor air, yeah. Um, and 34 degrees, not much wind. It's not great. Have, I've got another app for you, by the way. Another free plug. But one that you're definitely going to like. Have you got one called um, Best Coffee? No. 
holy crap, it's going to change your, it's going to change your world. So if you travel a lot, which I know you do. Um, From time to time. <laughs> they like go around rating coffee shops, like in major cities, and they'll just uh, tell you which ones are best and closest to you. Really? Yeah, game changer. Was mate. there any in this neighborhood? The, your favorite one came up, actually. Of course it did. Of course it did. Oh, why would I need the app then? <laughs> I am a, I'm a human am coffee app. app. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just more about human interaction, you know. You ask me, I tell you. Yeah. I don't need technology. Um, no, yeah. That, yeah, that's great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to download that. By the way, I tried a new. I know I was like extremely, extremely faithful to the boulangerie down the street mm-hmm. called Le Gaychoc, mm-hmm. um, but I they were closed today. Oh. I tried a new one, which was even better. Nice. Yeah, I swear to you, it was even better. It's even better. I I. I don't know how to tell, go by and let them know I won't be coming back again to Lego Shock. Does it have Le Bit shaped things? Um, I don't think so, but I know that, you know how all restaurants... Uh, don't laugh, producer <laughs> Lucy. That's true. <laughs> when it's factual, you can say it. Exactly. Um, you know how most restaurants all, like I, w- I went there and it said uh, like Boulangerie of the Year 2016. Ah, yeah. But then I looked across the street and there was another like cupcake shop that was like, patisserie of the year 2016 and i was like hmm. yeah you can pretty much win that on in- anything anybody that does a competition you can be the blank no that was of the world yeah across the street but I got, i've got new places and i also realized that people can just put Whatever something like. of the year on any one of the competitions that you enter eventually you're going to win one guess what this is best football podcast of the year in the world in the world how um, about that yeah 2019 in the universe put it on the wall heard it here first um, you know, we were talking about yellow cards the other day. And if, um, how many yellow cards were there so far? It's like 80 something, if that's a lot. Apparently not, not that, not that much. Really? Yeah. So I was looking at something and it says, um, in the men's game, they get more yellow cards for all kinds of offenses and they just get more in general. So way more for descent, way more for time wasting, way more for arguing and surprise, surprise, way more for diving. There's not seen that t- too many dives, have we? This. A couple, but not no. Too many. But this is something that I was arguing yesterday with the U.S. A second penalty is that the speed of which things happen in the box yeah. between the men's and the women's game is different, right? Mm. So the speed of which the chaos happens allows for a lot of players on the men's side looking for that edge of like trying to draw something in. Mm. Whereas, like I found that what happened with the U S against Spain was definitely a penalty, but people didn't want to give it, call it as a penalty because it was a pretty, it was a pretty clear clumsy reach into the shin. Yeah. She Are you talking her. about the second penalty? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a soft call in theory, but it's still a call. It was just like kind of isolated incident. There wasn't like a lot of things happening around it that made it sort of complicated. It just was like kind of a soft call. Like she made contact, missed the ball. Penalty. The second one. Yeah. It was, like, well, it, was a bit, it was a pretty big scrape down the shin, I thought, the second penalty. Yeah, it was. But it's like one of those things where she's going away from goal. Right, yes. You know, yeah, like you these, right. like circumstantially, nobody wants to give that because you're like, it, it, it wasn't like she went to block a shot and then took her out. It yeah. was like... She wasn't necessarily really in control of the yeah. ball either. But I could see this certain times in the box when there's action happening, you can see why, like, just the, in the men's game, they're always trying to cheat. Like, always trying to get an edge, cheating, Yeah, you know? Have you ever tried to draw a foul? Were you that kind of player, ever? If you were stuck in a tricky position? No, the only times that I really like to draw the foul is if if somebody was a, 
running at me, right? One on one. And they took a long touch or whatever. And I got in their lane, won the ball back. Instead of having to solve that problem with my back to the field and I'm facing my own goal to just hold off until they either try to go around you one way where you can feel them and you sort of just spin out and turn yeah. or wait till they hit you. And then when they hit you, you fall and you almost always get that foul. Yeah. But it's more of just like the idea of like, oh man, I've won this ball. No one to pass to, nowhere to go. Almost like near the corner flags type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have to spin out or draw the foul. That's when I usually try to draw the foul. Because if, if they give you any contact, the most strikers are just like, oh man. I blew that. So, or like attackers are like, I blew that. And they just want to end the, end the play. So they Striker hit you. Striker attackle. Yeah. They just give you a kick. Give you a kick and draw the foul. Yeah. I draw a foul. Especially if I'm in a bad position in the box. Like if I'm like right in the corner, I've got no backup whatsoever. I've got two people jockeying me and it's a while till everyone's going to get this side of the pitch. I'll go for the, I'll go for the foul. Do you ever get frustrated when you see like teammates foul somebody when like somebody takes a really bad touch? Yeah. It's a clear turnover for sure, but they end up kicking him right when they take the touch and yes. you're just like, why we had Why? the ball we had the ball in like really bad positions turn the ball over where it's not necessary it's come out of clear frustration i'm like get your shit together well and you also just like make them earn it you know you're like yeah. we did all the work and yeah. now we just got let them get away with it because we you fouled them out of frustration yeah silly like silly stuff like that does actually frustrate me when i see teammates do it for sure because that's just you're not thinking about the team in that scenario you just think you, it's an ego thing yeah and that's a bit like, there's a, it's a wider picture here. Well, that's what I've realized about this. This is just an ego-free podcast, you know? You and I, if not, <laughs> like we always talk about others. We never talk about ourselves, you know? And that's just, it's just the difference between us and say other people that we've played with in our career. So that's a- <laughs> here's, here's another one that we, that women have got no yellow cards for, which I'm actually a bit, um, I'm a bit disappointed at. Excessive celebration. Someone needs to get a yellow card for that. But that's that's either using props or taking your shirt off, or right? taking too long, or taking too long. Like the the celebration is too long. You know, I I played in a match once where the other team scored, and when they scored, they ran and celebrated at their bench on their half. Right. Right. So by law, the ref blows the whistle for kickoff. Oh. And we drove down against six players and scored. What? Yeah. Who was this against? This was when I was playing in Denmark. And I remember my friend Thomas Christensen was his name. He, we kicked the ball off to him. He drove all the way down to the literally top of the box and put it like he, he, he smashed it. But like literally they were having players running back. To cover. Yeah. I wasn't because even as soon really as they're aware back, As soon as they're back for kickoff. Yeah. The ref is instructed to play the game. Like you're not asking if they're ready. You yeah. just kick off. They're all back in their half again, technically in their half, whether right. they're on the field or not. They're on that side of the half. Play goes on. Yeah. So drove down and scored. So basically you just have to be there in their own half. Doesn't matter where they stood. Yeah. Like you've seen a few panics and it's happened in big games before where the ref will kick it off and people just sprint back onto the field because they're like getting water over on their side, on the sideline yeah. where they're celebrating at their bench on their half. And the ref can blow the whistle and, and play on. Um, we cheat. We de- we definitely took advantage of the rules, by the way, and we ended up winning that game when we definitely didn't deserve to. Have you ever done a, a really long um, celebration? No. Like I scored, I'd say throughout my career, an average of like two goals. So I had a few uh-huh. that were like four or five goal seasons when I was abroad, and then it kind of like narrowed down to like one or two. So like say two a season over my career. Yeah. That is not enough to know what to do when you score. <laughs> Like, usually I would score, have, like, a straight adrenaline rush, like, 
almost go into a panic attack. My arms would start flailing. I would start running. And then I'd be like, what now? And then I would just literally run to whoever the closest teammate was and jump on them and be like, oh God, I found the safe space. Like I don't have, this isn't on me anymore. It was just such an unnatural feeling to do that. You know what the other thing though about this tournament, there could have been a lot more red cards. Uh, Yeah, I think so too. Like VAR has not been used to give red cards in the way that there has been some like high shin two-footed challenges that literally could injure people. There could have been some more yellow cards as well. I think the Cameroon-England game, there should have been a few yellows and at least a red, but there wasn't. And I think one of the reasons was because it was getting very hostile. But at the same time, if it was done earlier on, she would have had more control of the game, the referee, that is. Yeah. So that's actually a really it's, crap excuse. It, it's crazy that how much of that goes on to referees when things start to get physical between the style of style of refereeing, you know, some like to let it breathe and let it play so that you can build a rhythm into the match mm. and others like from the start be like yellow card in the fifth minute. Like we're not gonna have any of that today and it changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. But that certainly plays a role in, in sort of like the flow and rhythm of a game. Do you remember like a ref that you particularly hated playing with? Not really a specific referee. I mean, I'm sure there are ones that I like I saw again and I was like, no, oh, come on. Yeah. I got them again. Um, there was some, some, I, I didn't like the, I didn't like the, the, the like testosterone driven, like egotistical ref that's like in your face. Like, I like the ones that have a little bit of banter, a little bit of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like you yell at them, they laugh a little bit and they're just like, come on, you know? I don't like refs that are like too, like you said, like too lenient. And then it just gets out of control because once you lose control, it's like, unless you lay down a card that's it you've lost it yeah and then the bench starts chipping in and then the coach starts chipping in i played in oh i didn't actually play i was injured for the final of 2010 mls cup we played in toronto so this is back when mls had a neutral final like a neutral ground for the final now it's like a rewarded ground that if you're the higher of the two ranked teams that make a final you get to host really yeah and it's created a completely different dynamic obviously like last year seventy-five thousand people in atlanta club that's two years old in a massive, massive stadium, played at home in the final and absolutely crushed Portland. And that's a huge home field advantage, but this was a neutral ground. So you're up in Toronto. It's the first week of December and Toronto is a very cold place. Mm -hmm. But the pitch was shit. Like the rhythm was shit. We were playing against a team that was just a scrappy team. They'd scrapped their way to the final, just sort of playing not to lose, killing any sort of rhythm and things like that. But they had had a few nasty challenges from the very first minute that if the ref had like killed it, we would have easily won that game. But they got away with it. They got away with it. They got away with it. And they were able to break up any sort of rhythm because we were a very rhythmic team. We, we played a very attractive attacking style of play. And every time we tried that, just someone would get hammered. Mm-hmm. Ref, foul, you know, no yellow. Foul, no yellow. Foul, no yellow. And it just killed any... They were able to just implement their plan on us in a time where they should have... It should have been a yellow card from like the very first minute. Uh, from like a really nasty challenge, didn't get that. And then multiple times after that, the ref could have had his impact on the match to be like, no, no, we're going to play clean. It's going to be a good final instead of allowing them to just sort of like kick and punch their way to a championship. Yeah. And but sometimes that's, that's, a, that's a, a tactic. For it teams. works. Sometimes it works. It, like, it, it, you can't I mean, really knock it. Like if it works and you know you can't play and you're going to have to be physical about it and that's what you have to do to win the game, then... There, there's teams in the U.S. that for a long time won championships from that because you had uh, or, or were successful. Houston and San Jose played in really small stadiums. Yeah. So there was nowhere to play out of. So the teams would come in and try to like tiki-taki and then they would just 
literally dump balls into the mixer and just crash the box. And there was no time and space, almost like championship styled football, mm. where a lot of teams high paced, don't let anyone breathe, don't let any rhythm happen, kick, scrap, you know, grind, literally grind out results yeah. week in and week out. And there is was a huge home field advantage to that because of the size of the pitch they were in on. And then also just the successful nature of that. Like it worked. I, I don't know if it worked much anymore in MLS, uh, but during long periods, teams that had that sort of like pragmatic approach got results. Um, so I spoke to a lady who would have watched a lot of football growing up. Her name's Kelly. Help me out with the surname. Dude. You said it perfectly earlier. Kelly Nascimento De Luca. De Luca. Yeah. And she was amazing. She was a lovely lady. Ye, other people will know her for her film work. She's also casual, Pele's daughter. That's crazy. Um, and she's done uh, an amazing job of making a film about a young girl uh, wanting to play football, but she grew up in the favelas. And we speak a little bit about it here. The Unsung Icons. So my name is Kelly Nascimento. I'm from Brazil. My father's Pele, the soccer player, um, retired soccer player, and I've directed a film on women's uh, soccer and gender inequality. To make a long story short, I am—I've always been in you know the visual arts and and uh, creative directing and sort of short film content, but. Um, I met through my brother-in-law, who's a coach, a youth coach in New York. He told me about this girl that he saw when he was in Brazil, who was amazing. And he wanted to get her to New York, and he, only, he usually works with boys, but he, you know, he's a lover of football, so football's football. So he's like, this girl, you, you know, she's 14, she's playing in the favela, she's so skinny, but she's crazy good. It's really alarming. And he, he wanted to bring her to, uh, to New York or somewhere to uh, junior college or something, just so she could have a chance of at least going to school, right? Fast forward, get her to New York. She goes to the junior college in New York. It's called ASA College in Brooklyn. She's their star for two years. She, she you know, leads them to winning their championship. She's on the cover of all the papers. And while she was doing this, she actually says that she got her first phone with a good camera. And so she had friends film her so she'd get a little reel together. She found a friend who, uh, who had been in the U-20 national team, in the Brazilian U-20 national team, and asked her to ask her dad to reach out to the coach and send him a reel. Six months later, they, the coach called her up, and in Papua New Guinea, she was number 10 captain. I mean, I was so happy for her, but I thought, my God, this is what it takes for a girl from Brazil to get to the national team. Like, this is a country that breeds talent. What happens to people who, you know, this was like, you know, several interventions and several acts of, you know, a higher power to get her, you know, anywhere. And so I started researching it and looking into it. And, uh, and I was kind of shocked. I'd never thought much about it, but I was really shocked. And I thought, well, somebody has to tell this story. It's called Warriors of a Beautiful Game. And do you think that this World Cup differs from ones in the past in terms of like the excitement? So I went to the opening game, uh, France versus Korea, and one thing that struck me was the amount of little girls that were there. Yeah. And little boys. Yes. Well, which, which is amazing because the more the little boys see it, the more normalized Absolutely. it's going to be for yeah. everybody else. So yeah. do you feel like there's a difference this World Cup to any others? So I think the difference is, that's a really good question. And that's actually something the film is going to ask because I think it's really important. You know, Julie Foudy in the film says something. Uh, she says, how many watershed moments are we going to have to have before things actually change on the ground? <laughs> yeah. Do I see a difference? I do. I see a difference, but mostly not because there's so many crowds, but because there's so many clubs now and so many entities trying to do something about it, trying to do the right thing. You know, there's so much more attention on it. 
Um, I think it's because of Me Too. I think it's because of many things that happen at the same time. And I think it's just a really, really good moment to make change. But I don't think that it, it will in and of itself change anything unless we do something about it. Unless we keep doing what everybody's doing, you know what I mean? That that's that's trying to help and do something about it because you know, it's going to be a hugely successful World Cup and it's going to be really incredible. But if it was that alone, you know, the girls in Brazil wouldn't, their lives wouldn't change at all. Like, not even a tiny bit, right. you know? And I think that it's, you know, FIFA just signed an MOU with UN Women, you know, and a lot of these things, and even myself, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, ugh, you know, more positions, more MOUs, more, you know, but, but there is a lot going on. And that's one of the things that I got while interviewing in the film. I expected a lot more anger and I got a lot of hope and a lot of gratitude. I think um, the end goal for everybody that loves women's football is for this not to just be a flash in the pan moment and for it to bowl over into something much, much bigger. How much did your father's success inspire you to do what you do today? Since I was very, very little. The thing that actually stood out most for me for my father, because we weren't, we didn't go to games when we were very little in Brazil because it was dangerous. Yeah. We went to all the Cosmos games because it was easier, but in Brazil we didn't go. But the thing throughout our, my life that's always really um, amazed me is how he can make people happy just by walking into a room. In Brazil, it's craziness, and a lot of Europe, it's craziness, you know, Africa. But in New York, nobody knew really. People knew kind of, and it's New York, so no one cares. Yeah. You know, no one's gonna be like, it's like whatever, you know. But in every place we went, we're, you know, he's Brazilian, so we eat really, really late. We close down a restaurant, and every time he'll turn to the whoever poor waiter is still there and say, can you bring out the guys from the kitchen? And the guys from the kitchen will come out with God knows how, balls, t-shirts, like, you know. <laughs> and it always amazed me. I mean, it, it always really struck me how, like, how amazing, right? To be able to just make people happy for, like, in this world where there's, like, so much, you know, hardship. Yeah. To be able to just walk around making people, just yeah. walking into places, making people happy. <laughs> you know, I, and I imagine then the repercussion of that is, like, the pay it forward, right? Like, you, you, you smile at someone, they smile at somebody else. And I, and I think that's what inspired me his fame and his uh, and his sport right are such the people have such ownership towards it especially in a time where it was a very hopeful time right especially in brazil like the, the you know late 50s and 60s you know people talk about football at that time and you see the older men talking and you know it's not just about football it's about what the memories that football brings to things that were happening in their lives you know what i mean and things that the the way the country was the way the world was i think it was obviously not for everyone, right? And not in every, every place. But I think the people who do, I think it does, you know, does bring that back. But yeah, it's definitely a credit to him. Um, who is the player or the team that's exciting you most about this World Cup? So who are you most excited to see? Are you a, are you a US, US fan? Or you, I you am a US, US or fan. Brazil? I'm Brazilian. I know. I mean, well, it depends. It's a very difficult oh. thing. I mean, I, if they... I don't know what to say if they play together. I, I was gonna say, I was like, hey. I mean, you know what? I'm a Brazil fan. If I feel yeah. like, you know, I, I am. And I can't, even when I get, you know, even sometimes I get angry and I'm like, you know what? No, they need to go back to the drawing board. They can't, <laughs> they can't even make it that far this year because they need to go back to the drawing board and fix things. And if they get really ahead, they won't. But then they're in there, you know, they're on the pitch and I love those girls, you know? I mean, Formiga, how can Formiga, not, how can I not want Formiga to win her last World Cup of yeah. like, what, 70 she's played, you know? Yeah, how can yeah. I not want, you know, Cristiani to win this World Cup after everything she went through last year, you know? And the deception of having, you know, and, and sort of the sadness of having her coach taken away early and whatever. But I'm really, really excited. I always want the underdog. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. She was super cool. She came back as well uh, to watch, I can't remember which game it was, but she came back to watch a game and hang out. Yeah. Yeah, she was sweet. I'm really actually excited to watch the film as well. We had a little screening of a few films here the other week. Um, films all indie films all about women's football, but we were we were down here unfortunately, so we didn't get to watch any of them. Do you think it's possible to be as normal as she seems, being the daughter of Pele? Pele. I don't know. It's a weird one, isn't it? I always think about um, people with parents that are sports stars. And how, if they want to get into the sport, how hard it would be to live up to their legacy. Yeah. And even if they have the same drive to do as well, because most sort of like um, athlete stars usually don't come from the easiest of um, backgrounds, usually humble beginnings. And I think that puts fire in their belly to do quite well. Whereas if you come from um, an extremely comfortable background... Do you have that same fire? I don't really know. Yeah, so I've got a good example of that. Last summer, we spent some time with Tim Hardaway Jr. He plays in the NBA. Uh-huh. His dad is, is like uh, an NBA legend, okay? And his dad came from, and I could be wrong on a few of these things, but from like the south side of Chicago, like rough neighborhood, literally became an NBA star on like an opportunity to escape what could other be a, otherwise be a, a bad life, right? Like mm. get away from all these bad things. And he was hungry. Like there was a hunger for that was driven by having nothing. Right. So then he has his son, Tim Hardaway Jr. Who plays in the NBA now. And there's like stuff out about them where like his dad was so hard on him because he wanted him to be hungrier, but he was, he's never been hungry. You know what I mean? He's never been hungry. It's completely different perspective. Like he knows that he was raised with everything. You know, he was, he was, raised in private schools. He was spoiled growing up. Like he grew up literally standing on the basketball courts of NBA, around NBA legends. There's photos of him with the best players ever shooting around as a child on a court. Like his world was completely different than his dad's. And Tim has talked about it over time of like growing up in the shadow of an NBA legend. And he's gone on to, to be a solid NBA player. And you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's become a pro, which is Mm -hmm. like the odds of that are, are already really low. But just the dynamic between a legend and somebody who's talented and the fact that you, no matter what he does, you're still living in the shadow of one of the probably 20 or 30 best NBA players ever. Yeah. Have you seen the, have you seen the videos of Ronaldo's little boy playing for Juventus? No. It's I mean, I mean I, 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 I've seen like Marcelo's son and I've seen yeah. all these people's kids are like really crazy. But yeah. like, it's so early for them that you wonder like, when does burnout happen? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when do they realize who they're? dad is yeah. also like when do they realize how not normal their existence are yeah. is like Ronaldo's son- kid isn't going to the park to play with friends like I can almost guarantee you yeah of course he yeah. can't go anywhere without security he can't like his whole life is programmed around him at a certain point he's going to realize that and it's going to be a very intimidating thing one just to have a normal life just to end up normal let alone end up like a, a, a professional footballer 
living in the shadows of what will be like one of the two best players ever. Yeah. Likely. Yeah. I mean, do you think you ever would have ended up playing a different sport if it wasn't football? I, I was actually better at other sports growing up. Oh. I just liked detail. Uh, I, I was better at baseball growing up for sure. Ping pong. Uh, yeah. I was a world uh, ping pong champion. Netball. Um, was top 10 in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I played. I played baseball. I was. Uh, uh, I was the number one. Uh, I went through this like combine thing one time, and I was ranked on this website as one of the top few uh, kickers in football in the country, based on yeah. what what I did at this this combine that was near my house. And and so I had I had a lot more opportunities. Actually, letters coming in for for college football than I did soccer. Um, but I played a bunch of sports. I sucked at basketball. Um, I sucked at basketball. But if I had followed football, right? The, the difference is, is like kicking in football, there's only, there's a finite amount of jobs. It's only one yeah. position. It's not yeah. like you could be like, oh, if you're going to, like when I was 16 or 17, somebody said, if you want to make it as a pro, I, we think you should be a left back. Like your best chance to use the tools and the skill sets you have to make it as a professional. And yeah. so that's when I started taking that serious because up to that point, I had played every position and usually attacking positions. Whereas like kicking is kicking. And yeah, there's so, only 20 something jobs available professionally, unless you play in like the lower tiers. So to a UK audience, if you're a kicker and you play at American football, you literally come on to kick the ball. Yeah. Like you're on, you're on the field for like, I don't know, tell me how long. I don't know. Like, 30 seconds like to 30, a minute. Yeah. Like you're doing kickoffs and you're kicking field goals and extra points. And that's it. That's it. And so you're basically on the sideline for long periods and then you are thrown into the highest, a lot of times, the highest pressure moments to yeah. win or lose a match yeah. could be off of, of, of a kick. And so... I just find that such a bizarre job. As like, it's, it's bizarre to me because I only even learned the basics of, of American football, I mean, the rules last year. But they, we don't really have a sport like that. Like you come in to do one very, very, very specific job and for the rest of the game, you're just sitting on the bench. It's a weird thing because kickers are also considered kind of different than the rest of the team. Right. You know, they're all sort of like bruisers and then you have the quarterbacks and you have just completely different dynamic and then you have the kicker. And kickers say earn in the NFL anywhere between like, say, I think minimum is 450 up to like a couple million a year. But they have like one of the highest stress positions yeah. in terms of delivering. Yes. And it's a completely di- Everything else in the sport is with your hands. Yeah. And you have somebody who's kicking it. Um, so we had a party here the other day. Yes. And someone came and performed. She goes by the name of Miss Banks. You might know her from um, the England squad announcement. She did one of those. I know you from the England squad announcement. Yeah, do you know what? That was so much fun. I had a great time um, announcing Kira Walsh. Not to downplay Miss Banks, but yours was the coolest for sure. I just didn't know what was happening. Like I saw it zoom in. You're in like the England kit. I just didn't know it. And then it rolls across like the CDJs, like her name, her name. And I was like, that's such a cool like use of technology that like everything else, everybody had really, really cool ones and very diverse and completely different approaches to announcing. But that was one where I was like, oh, wow, that actually like surprised me. So well yeah, done. yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I got asked to do it and I didn't, we didn't have too long to do it. And I had to come up with this sort of concept or an idea. And they were like, you have free reign, be creative. You can do what you want. And I was like, oh my God, people are going to go in on these. I've got, to, I've got to deliver. And it turned out like most people just did like selfie sort yeah. of things. But I was like really was, putting myself under pressure to deliver. Did it take a long time to like shoot and do that? Did you wear that kit that day, the jersey that day? Especially for that. For that? Yeah, I yeah. saw you post it on social and I was like, oh, that's kind of a random day to wear a... Yeah. I, I mean, I do wear I, I do wear like retro football t- like shirts a lot, but 
Um, I brought like a videographer with me. Yeah. Um, big up Josh. His name's Josh. Um, and he came down and he filmed um, a set and we kind of had this idea for the edit in my head. And then also I had to like set up a third deck with like the fake track names on and like load them in while I was playing and it all kind of sort of came together. Well, it was sick. Yeah, it was fun. Um, anyway, this is Miss Banks. <laughs> Miss Banks, hey! Just wrapped the show. Yes, in the Copenhagen Clubhouse. Thank so you, good. thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You created some good vibes in here. Oh, some great vibes. We was turning up. Yeah, all of that. Were you surprised? You had some people mouthing every word. Literally, French people. I was like every word of every song. Right, because I, I didn't know like how great it was like gonna correlate with them. I didn't know if they're gonna be able to sing the words. I'm like everyone speaks French. Are they gonna like vibes? Are they gonna know me? But I had some core fans there. Yeah. They were asking for songs that I didn't even know they was aware of, which is so good. Do you come into something like this in a in a foreign country, assuming that you'll play your bangers, people will know that, but some of the other ones they might not know? Yeah. Sometimes and sometimes even your bangers, sometimes people don't know it. But it was good. It was so yeah. great. Like I've done two shows in Paris before and, and I've definitely come a long way. It was so good, man. I enjoyed it so much. When did you get to town? Saturday morning. Yeah? Yeah. Are you going to be able to catch a football match before you leave? Hopefully. I've got studio now. Yeah. That's the only thing. So maybe not actually. So you're busy. <laughs> busy. I'm yeah. trying to make the most out of it. We've been here. We've been at Fashion Week, gone to a few shows, networked, done the show. Um, and yeah, I've got studio. I'm just trying to make the most of it while I'm here. Yeah. Always trying to make music wherever I go. So uh, I've got a few football questions. Simple ones. Yes. What are we thinking for England? I want them to win. Yeah? Of course. Go Lionesses, always. Okay. US won today. They're in the quarterfinals against the hosts. Oh, wow. Uh, France. I'm not surprised, though. They're good. Yeah. Women's football in England has come a long way in the last couple of years. Amazing. Such yeah. a long way. And this is why I was so happy to be a part of the campaign. Like, it's crazy. Like, when I'm literally reading these stories about these women, what they've gone through, how hard they've trained to be in the position they are today, it's amazing. Like, you just have to respect the graft. So I'm really happy and I'm glad that it's so big. Like, everyone's banging on about it. Everyone's interested. It's good. Is it relatable to the music industry, the grind that it takes to, to, to get to the top? 100%. Like, especially being in something that's more so male. Like, loads of... It's male-dominated. Um, people don't... Like, when I'm telling people, you know, there's, like, a woman's um, English team, a woman's Nigerian team, people are surprised. And I'm like, how you guys don't know this? So it's good that they're getting more shine, more recognition. We're really pushing it. And, yeah, it reminds me of um, music a lot, like, and the industry, because they're both, like, universal languages. Sports brings people together all around the world, same as music, so... When you were part of the campaign, did you get any love from any of the uh, of the girls from the squads? Did anybody reach out? I, well, Lucy Bonds has reached out. Yeah, and I really like her. Yeah, oh, she's that's dope. Great. So that was good. Yeah. yeah, making friends. Making friends. Hopefully, I can get to like kickball with them one day or something like a little fun game. Not nothing real. I don't. <laughs> I'm not really that great with it, but. <laughs> yeah. I see you're wearing our Coop ninety Coba ninety merch today. Yes. Is it comfortable? You like it? I love it. Better fit than my other hat. Uh, yeah? yeah? Are they letting you keep it? Because they don't let me keep any of the merch. Oh, wow. I get to take a picture in it and put it back on the it? shelf. Thank yeah. you, guys. Wow. Keep it. Maybe I just put them Ooh. under pressure and now you get to keep it. And maybe you get to keep yours too. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us on, on the podcast. You know, yes. I know that, you know, it's high energy upstairs, but I'm glad you came down here to join us. Nah, it's a little bit warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Banks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Copper 90, football inside out. How was she? Was she cool? She was really cool. Yeah? Yeah. You could tell like she was like, adrenaline was rushing because she had like a, it was an intimate crowd. So like, obviously, like you said, with your gigs, you can like see people are oh, looking at you from like a few feet away. It's way scarier when yeah. there's like, it's a smaller crowd, I think, than yeah. when there's a big, big crowd. And she, she managed it really well. But then, you know, you're also 
standing steps from people. So as soon as it's done, those people are now your peers and they want to talk to you and you've got to like a flurry of things happening, but she was, she was really cool. Yeah. She was, she was really sweet. She did a cool, like, um, spoken word bit of content for the lionesses, I think about one of the players. I can't, which I can't remember which one, but it was her, I think little Sims did one as well, but yeah, they're somewhere online. Go check them out. They're cool. Um, Hey, I've got some day numbers for you. Wait, before we get to day numbers, we have fan mail. Can I read that one? (gasps) Fan mail. Fan mail. I couldn't find the button for that. Um, Hello, loving the podcast, by the way. Listen to it every day on my way to work, especially loving the female involvement on Copa 90. I hope they stick with it going forward. One of the reasons why I listen. Big up monkey, exclamation point. My question is, do you think women's football will ever get big enough to where they will eventually have their own stadiums? And this is from Stasha from the Passion Association. Yes. I I can name one Premier League club that already has a stadium. Uh, Man City. I think... And Chelsea as well, yeah. actually. Man City was the first and they built it next to um, the men's um, stadium. Mm-hmm. So you can go there, watch their own, in their own stadium. And Chelsea have recently, I mentioned it in another podcast, took over a stadium in, uh, in Kingston, which is just outside of London. Um, and they have their own place to play. So 100%, it's already happening. Yeah, and now they make stadium, like the technology on stadiums is such that they have what's the word, uh, modular stadiums. Mm-hmm. So you can build a 4,000 seater or a 10,000 seater or a 30,000 seater and you can make it scalable right. so that it can, as the interest grows and the demand grows, you can make it bigger to ah, increase. Okay. Uh, and I think that's a really cool thing because the hardest part is when you start so ambitiously because somebody investing in a stadium is going to go, hey, uh, this is a stadium. We need to have multi-use. We need to make the most out of the stadium and not just have it be for football matches. So we need to be able to have it big enough for concerts and to withstand a certain amount of people. Then you build it so big that it's lost its original purpose. But if you can build it in a way that allows it to become an intimate crowd and and a unique atmosphere and experience... Ultimately, that's what people are going to buy into is like, even if they're not necessarily watching it all the time, it's, it's entertainment. It's an experience. Yeah. There's nothing sadder than an empty stadium as well. It doesn't, it doesn't look nice yeah. or sound nice. Um, but yeah, thank you for the fan mail. Keep them coming. Um, so day of numbers, let's start with the number five. Five is the uh, amount of teams eliminated from the uh, round of 16. Don't know. Hmm. Actually. Just might- say you might be right. Um, it's England have won five consecutive games for the first time ever at a Women's World Cup. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. I really That's, need to get that button. It's, yeah. it's broken today. <laughs> uh, 2015. Uh, that was the last World Cup. Easy. Yeah. Well, you are correct. You're not wrong. Last time the US uh, conceded a World Cup goal was in 2015 final against Japan. Wait. No, that's not no, true. No, the US gave up one against Spain yesterday. Yeah. Oh, since the since, since the oh, before that. since two days ago when the US played Spain. Yeah. The last time before the last that. time before that was, was Japan. Japan. In a in final. The final. Yeah. Wow. So that's a long time to go without conceding any goals. Four matches, right? Four World Cup matches. Four World Cup matches, yeah. So there's a final and then But then you had the, the group, group stages. stages. Yeah. Wait, didn't he not get scored against them in the group stages? No. No. Damn. Uh at number five again. Mm. Mm, double five. Uh, I just give me this one. The first time since <laughs> we like, I used all. I used my five already. All our numbers. Yeah. The first time since 1995 that there will be five European teams in the quarterfinals. Wow. Yeah. Big up Europe. I mean, I Europe is obviously where the fastest growth is happening within the game, right? 
So the, uh, the, must be, yeah. it sort of makes sense to me. I wonder which country is fastest growing within the game. It's like got to be Spain, England. I hope it's England. And France? Maybe. Maybe. I'm just thinking of like just all the Champions a punt League teams. In the yeah. 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 I mean, oh, yeah. I, I think I think I agree with you. Yeah. Probably probably Spain. Hasn't Italy turned around some pretty big? Italy's um, been good because Juventus yeah. is really strong. Yeah, really, really. But it's strong. so hard for I, I, I. I'm not going to pretend like I know top to bottom of the leagues in those countries, but they have big Champions League teams with the best players, yeah. and and based on like Ellie's inside scores, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Like they are constantly improving. Yeah, they've been pushing to get a lot of people to games as well. You know what we should do? Right. Also for fun facts, Go moving on. forward, is the, uh, first five and uh, is start to up, continue to update people on all the cool things happening outside of the tournament because of this tournament that are like pushing the game forward. There's yeah. all this stuff that's happening out there where like Real Madrid's going to now have a, a, a women's team. A women's team. Yeah, I yeah. saw that the other day. Like there's all, all kinds of cool stuff like that that's literally being propelled on. Whether it's it's excitement, motivation, or pressure, it's all moving in the right they direction. They must have heard us on yeah. the podcast the other week and clearly came under some serious pressure from this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'll take like just a small like ownership share. Maybe just like a sleeve um, sponsor, like yeah. a free sleeve yeah. sponsor. <laughs> Heath and Monkey. Football Oh yeah, Coco out. 90 as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that. Oh, yeah and the podcast. Well, we'll get the podcast in there. Um, yeah. That's all. That's all we have today. Another one gone. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. As usual, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review. Subscribe as well to the newsletter. Head to copa90.com forward slash WC19 and click or tap on Copa90 France Daily to sign up. Yes, and get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. Send us emails. We've been really enjoying them. We have. Um, oh, you can also send them to our DMs because I've been getting a few of those. <laughs> Both happy and angry ones uh, based on results. But we'd love to share your thoughts on the show and tweet us using the hashtag Copa90InsideOut. We will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. This is a We Are Great production for Copa90. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.